Hello and welcome to the 10 Pence Arcade Podcast. I am Sean Holly, and who is on my left, 270 miles to my left. Hello, my name is Victor Marland and also welcome to the podcast. This is podcast 154, we've got that far Sean, and yes. we'll be discussing later on a game called Lazarian. Now, would you say, would you call it Lazarian, Lazarian or Lazarian? I would say Lazarian. You've got, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a, a number of ways, isn't there? But it, mm. sort of, it sounds like it's Lazarian, but I say Lazarian. Yeah? I do. Lazarian, mm. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how, how the heck have you been? How have you been, son? I'm, I haven't talked to you for the whole month almost. I know, that's the problem with doing a monthly one, isn't it? Yeah, I kind of miss talking to you every two weeks, actually. But it, it's, yeah. yeah. Mm, 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 I can mm. have a chat if you want. I've been good, thanks. I've been back at work. We're, we're back open. We're arcade club, that is. Mm-hmm. We're operating at 50%, actually, a little bit below 50% capacity. That's very and, good, I think, yeah, in this climate. And we've, I think, customer confidence is coming back a bit because the last couple of good. weekends, this last weekend, we got to that capacity for the first time. So I think, and the weekend before, actually, on the Saturday. So I think people are getting more confident and coming back out, you know. Good. As long as everyone's keeping distance, wearing the distance. appropriate PPE and all that, and everything's being cleaned down, I don't see why not. Yeah, masks, harnesses, harpoons. Bungees. Yeah. Bondage. No, 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 not that, no. One, not that one. Anyway been up to stuff i've been buying a few little things actually you know i've sort of slowed down me buying because i've probably got most of the things i want already and it just seems crazy buying stuff all the time but as usual i've bought lots and lots of buttons from japan they sort of came the other week and i've finished off a load of vectrex controllers got a load of them out the door which is quite nice to do but also talking about buttons i actually bought some buttons for myself for a change that pantomime guy from cinderella Buttons. Yeah, that's it. I've, I've rammed him in a hole in my pony. No, that sounds wrong. Uh-oh. My pony arcade cabs, uh, the horizontal one, has got a custom control panel, which looks exactly like an original one, but it's got two joysticks on it for twin-stick games, and it's got three buttons in the middle. And that one has got blue ball tops. It's got blue and black Sumitsu, uh, whatever they're... I think it's a PN14, their buttons. I can't remember what they're called now. And they've got blue and black... 30 mil buttons for the main buttons and the other pony the vertical one just had some odd they're the same color buttons but they weren't the correct ones i've bought Sumitsu red and black so one of them's got blue and black theme and the other one's got red and black theme and they look really nice mm. so it's, it's actually given the, the ponies a little tart up for a change but i noticed on my vertical pony the it's got um they haven't got the original screens the original screens are toey or tui and they've got um, hand track screens in, because obviously they operated in the UK and Europe and stuff. They've got hand track screens, which are very common in the UK and Europe. And they've got those remote control boards. You know, there's a big sort of ribbon cable, and you've got the controls so you can do your, you know, your horizontal and vertical moves and your tombstone and all that lot. But mm. one of the movements on it, which is actually the the screen, if you look at it, if you look at it horizontally. It'd be a top and bottom, but because it's vertically, it's left and right. That that thickness there, the width. I think it's horizontal width or vertical width even, for some reason on the, the pot, it doesn't do anything. If you move it around, it doesn't do anything at all. So you can't make the screen wider on the vertical screen. So I found another one in a loft, the, actual, the board, because you can take the boards out and just replace them. And I put another one on, and that doesn't do anything either. So it must be on the it must be a small fault on the monitor. 
Ooh. which is a bit of a pain. But I'm not, I'm not too worried about it because um, when the screen I've got on there at the moment, I'm playing. It's got uh, my ZX Uno, which is an FPGA, a small FPGA, smaller than the Mister, and it's running Time Pilot on it at the moment. It looks lovely because it's actually centered in the screen. It's quite a good size in the screen, so I'm just going to leave it alone for now, not mess about with it too much. Because mm. if I have to get that that cab out of there, it'd be a nightmare because it's right at the back of the arcade. But yeah, that's uh, they look really nice. I'm going to put a picture on the, the website of the, the two control control panels of the ponies. They look good. I like them. My little pony, he just wants to own me. My little pony. Yeah. It's amazing how many people want to own my ponies because mm. they are quite a sought after machine, and they're not even yeah. the most sought after um, Jalico ponies. Because I've got Pony Twos, which mm. are twenty eight inch screens, quite upright. But a Pony Three, which is a bit smaller, it's got twenty five inch screen. They're really sloped back. They're really good for shmups. They're like the shmups' favourite, and they're mm. really expensive. They're like two and a half, three thousand quid. Wow, but they didn't make many of them then, did they not, or something? Or? Well, they're Japanese, so whether they'd be imported over or not, I don't know. But my, my two ponies came from the um, the arcade in London. What was it called again? I can't remember the name of it. Trucking Dero. The Trucking Dero, the Trocadero, yes. Yeah. They're actually on a satellite arcade apart from um, Trocadero. Have you, bought, have you been buying anything new? You don't normally. Right. I have bought two things. I've, I've got a new my coffee out. What? <laughs> I've got a new laptop battery because the other one oh, died. Oh, that is exciting! Is, isn't it great? This one. How many like... milliamps has it got, Sean? Tw- the what? How many milliamps? Four and a half thousand, I think. Ooh. It might have, might be bigger than that, Ooh. but it's it's bulbous. It's right. got more. It's got more cells in it, so it's bulbous. So it, it sort of sort of raises up the laptop a little bit. And so it's not got a laptop last... anymore then. It's it's like a, a raised a laptop, and in the last hour, well, last couple of hours, I have got. If you scroll down to the bottom of the bit, I have bought an Evercade. Hold on, Ev- Evercade. Oh, yeah. is that the handheld? Yeah. So is this, is this the one with the tiny screen you're always moaning about? So it's very hypocritical. It's got a four point yeah, three inch. 4.3 inch screen. Well, I'm just really interested in it. It's the one with with cartridges. Yes. You, you this put this cartridges is the one that I. Don't want to purchase, but I like everything about it. Yeah, I do. It's a nice uh, bit of kit. Apparently, it's very well built. It is. Our man Deadlock loves his one. He's always going on about it on Twitter. Loves it. And well, the I idea think with that's, the, what's, the, that's the... what's made me get it. Just seeing right. his tweets all the time, and I thought, yeah, I'll just get it. And I've, I've I've played with it for about fifteen minutes before starting this. But it, I got I got the bundle with the three. I think there's a Namco collection cartridge oh, cool. yeah. an Atari and an Interplay and the one I've just gone on is Earth, Earthworm Jim because I never really played that and that plays perfectly let me do it properly Earthworm Jim the speech on that was terrible I remember I had it on the Mega Drive years ago I never liked the game and it was pretty popular but I never liked it I was um, back then I think the games I was playing that I liked more was Aladdin that was a really cool animated um, platform that, game. Yeah, similar animation, weren't it? Yeah, it was sort of the same time, I remember. And, play, and things like Cool Spot, that was a good little game. On the mm. So all my moaning about small screens, and I don't like small screen gaming. Yeah, yeah, this this one just this one just appeals to me for some reason. It's it's really well built. There's a thumb control. There's no there's no, no other little, you know, tiny little sticks. There's just a yeah. D-pad, sorry. There's not them little sticks. So it's nice. It looks nice. Mm-hmm. It's got a nice weight to it. Yeah, I'm never, I know what you mean. I'm gonna. I don't. I don't know if I'll play it. I just bought it. I don't know why. It's just, it's just really nice bit of kit. Yeah, I tell you what. 
because of lockdown and stuff, uh, and the fact that I was never furloughed, I've been working all this time, mm. but you can't really go out and spend money. So I, you know, I, I like going out eating with my wife and stuff, and we go out places mm. and we eat, and I, I, I you know. And it, sometimes we, we pay over the odds for some stuff or, you know, I don't mind paying because I don't drink, don't smoke, don't do any other vices like that. So, you know, probably the most money I spend on is, is going out for meals and stuff. But because we haven't mm. been going out, my bank balance has just gone up. I mean, I haven't really stopped any work. I haven't been put on low hours. I've been doing the same kind of overtime. I've not been buying anything. I've not been buying much arcade stuff. So I thought to myself, I'm going to buy myself some stuff as well. I've just been things I've sort of wanted... And I've been very careful not to buy some stuff. Oh, I'll buy that, and in two weeks I'll forget about it. I've been trying not to. I've been trying to get stuff. I think, you know, if I buy that, I'm going to use it. I am going to actually get it, put it to some good use, and and make use out of it. So, you doing that is a good idea, and I bet you will play it as well because it's one of those things where you can just when you're in you know in the toilet in the morning, you can just quickly pop it in your back pocket when mm. you're having a sit down. If you know what I mean, have a quick go of something. Or whether you're yeah, waiting for someone, really good. yeah, if yeah, you're waiting for good. someone or on a tea break or something, just you know, pop it in your in your pocket or whatever next to your phone, off you go. Absolutely Ooh. brilliant. Because I was, I had some friends around there. I had Mister and Mrs. Vip round. We had, they had a bit oh, yeah. weekend, and I was showing him some stuff. Because I, I I set up a pie for him um, for some games. I was doing a, a, a an SD card from some games on Retro Pie, and I showed him my GPI, my uh, Retro Flag GPI, which is basically. A remake of a an original size Game Boy, a little bit smaller. The Pi Zero in, yeah. and they mm. are absolutely top notch. And you can actually download images full of games and themes and all sorts of stuff. Already, you just put it in there and it works. And it's a really nice bit kit. It's got a really nice screen. It's got the same controls as the Game Boy. You know, just the, I think it's got it's got four buttons on the front and it's got two on the back. So if you wanted to play Game Boy Advance games properly, you can do. But I sort of just play the, the NES and the you know the easier 8-bit games on it and stuff. And it's absolutely brilliant. And I keep meaning to play that more often. So I might just put it on my mm. bedside cabinet. So instead of having to read you know, read a book at night or whatever before you go to sleep, I'll quick go with that. Just play a few games. Because I think it does save states and stuff as well and all that sort of thing. So you can actually yeah, continue this, a game. This one does. Well, what's good about it is because I've only got three cartridges. You're limited by the number of games. You, I was looking oh, at this yeah, yeah. R350 Emerson, and it looks amazing. It's about 120 quid, and you can put it plays Dreamcast in PS1. Right. And I thought, do I want to load it up with thousands of games, or do I like this little cartridge based system where you, you've got like, I yeah. think there's about. I don't know, 35 games on these three cartridges put together. And that's, yeah, that's all pretty you've good. got. Well, yeah, what you can that's... do is, I know I know you're not a collector, but those mm. games are quite, like 15, 20 quid, are they? You get a few games on each one. Yeah, that's all they are, yeah. That's not mad, is it? And you could get a little collection up that you, you know, games you actually like, rather than getting all of them like some people do. You can just get the ones you want. And they, I They're... think the games are properly, they're proper good console and arcade games, which, you, you know, you won't get, hours and hours involved into one game you sort of have a quick blast and off you yeah pop. there's there's no arcade games as yet there's arcade conversions i've just had a go of galaxian the nes galaxian and that's really good actually well some of the nes versions are on a lot of these popular mini games and they use the nes version because the nes on a chip costs pennies and mm. i presume they just mass produce in china to put any game they like or any games they want on there so that's usually what they do for these things and, and they're decent i mean the arcade games i know like pac-man Ms. Pac-Man, Dig Dug, Tower of Dragger. On the NES, they're, they're nigh on. They're pretty good. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll probably play that while I'm having a poo. 
Yeah, absolutely. And talking of these mini screen things, did you see? Well, I told you a little while ago about this thing I bought. I'm just showing Sean. Oh yeah, my yeah, micro yeah. arcade dig dug. Now this, you can't. Don't get it confused with the Argy Boy. The Argy Boy is the same shape as this, but it's vertical rather than horizontal. And this thing has licensed the technology from Argy Boy. The Argy right. Boy is an Arduino unit, and what you do is you put one game on it at a time. And it was the same kind of thing as the um, the Pico 8. It was like lots mm. of people making games. There's only Because the Argy Boy is only black and white. It's got two buttons and a D, D-pad, that's it. And you put one game on it at a time. But now they're just about to release a little extra add-on. You've got to just solder on with a few few points. And it can take all 256 games that are ever made for it. So I'm going to get one of them mm. soon. But this thing I bought thinking, oh, it's, it's, it's but the same kind of thing as Argy Boy. And Argy Boy's really good quality. But what it is, I found out, because I actually tweeted the maker of RG Boy and complained about this thing, but it has got nothing to do with him. So before I launch into giving this a full-scale attack, because it's (laughs) that bad, it's nothing to do with, I think his name's David Bates, and he created the RG Boy. And the RG Boy is absolutely top-notch. If you like little silly black-and-white games, get an RG Boy, especially with a new add-on, which is going to have all the games on it from you can choose from menu. But this thing is basically from a company called, I think, uh, they're called Micro Arcades, and it's licensed from Bandai Namco as well. And the build quality is absolutely brilliant. It's the same kind of thing as an RG Boy, but it's a colour yeah. screen, and it's horizontal way around with a vertical screen in the middle, actually a square screen in the middle. And it's, it's Dig Dug, one of my favourite games. And I bought it, so I could pop this in my wallet, and just play it. It's about the size of about, I don't know, five thickness of five credit cards stuck together. And it's the same size, width, and length as a credit card. So it's quite small. Mm-hmm. But this thing is absolutely terrible. For the start, I'm going to play, I'm going to turn it on, put it in the microphone. And you know what the music that Dig Dug sounds like, don't you? <laughs> this. Is this right? Let me just pop this on. I'll start the game. Single channel beeps, isn't it? Nothing like it. Because on Dig Dug, when you move, the music plays, like a little tune plays as you move. When you stop, it stops. And you just hear the monster making a noise. Yeah, it's pretty good. So that thing, right, to start with, completely the wrong tune. You know, it's just a tune. It's a very simple tune. Even the arcade tune is fairly simple. And you can play it on a single BP thing anyway. It's no problem. So that's wrong. The program on it is terrible. They've not used, as far as I know, an emulator. They've reprogrammed it. Mm. Why? I'm sure Arduino has got a version of MAME. I'm sure of it. Because MAME's on everything nowadays. You can play MAME on a Amiga and an ST mm. and stuff like that. So... The worst bit about the whole game, right, which makes it absolutely unplayable, is if you hold the D-pad, right, and the D-pad's half decent, four-way D-pad, if you hold a button down, like you're going down, for instance, and you pump, you press the pump button, you let go of the pump button, you stop, even though your finger's on the down button, and you've got to let go of it and press it on to move again. So when you've got to hold yeah. monsters, you know you hold monsters, you can walk through them, you sort of hold them so they can't get you, you just, you just pump them once or twice to stop them. You can't yeah. do that because it's just impossible. And when you start the game, if you're holding down or right, for instance, and you want to move as soon as the game gets going, it's already cancelled itself. You have to let go and press the button again. It's like they've got some sort of problem with 
if you're holding the control down and you you do something else like you fire, it cancels what you've got hold of. It, th- it forgets that you're pressing that down. You've got to let go and press it again, and that, that is, is unforgivable on, on a game like Dig Dug. It's just mm-hmm. rubbish. What are the graphics like? They look okay. They're quite small, um, but it, it, for some reason, I think it's because it's a square screen rather than a uh, you know four three or three four if it's vertical, and it scrolls mm. a little bit as well, which. It's not great for Dig Dug. You don't really want it scrolling. I think the Game Boy version does that as well, but that's not too bad. I don't worry about that too much. But even because the game's been, I think, reprogrammed, they haven't got the memo of or, or the maybe the the programming notes for Dig Dug because like the rules of Dig Dug, there's certain rules in there. Like one, you can you can actually stand underneath a rock and wait, and then if something comes underneath, you move out the way, and the rock topples and falls down. Can't do that yeah. on this. As soon as you go underneath a rock, it just falls on you. And what I've had a few times is it f- it fell on me, and you know it drags you down and squashes you at the bottom. I've moved across at the bottom and lived and survived. So the, the, the collision detection isn't great. And when the monsters jump through the... You know, sometimes on the arcade version, they jump through the dirt and they get you. They do yeah. that all the time. You can't do it the other way around. You can't get them through the dirt. And when a Figar spits the fire at you, it goes through more dirt than it should do in the arcade game because you know you're safe sometimes, and it does that. Um, also, at the end of the game, when you've got one monster left, you know it tries to run away up the left-hand top side of the screen. I yeah. had to do with that with two monsters the other day. So the programming right. is all over the place. I so I don't it's know. A pile of- yeah, it's just awful. It's absolutely awful. It looks. Lovely. If you turned it on, you think, oh, that looks just like Dig Dug. The colours are right. The graphics look pretty good. Nice. I think you could probably chuck this around the room and it wouldn't break. It looks really sturdy. It's like you know, carbon, uh, like a sort of toughened perspex, and it's got an aluminium back, nicely anodized. It's a really nice looking bit of kit, but it's, it just plays yeah. terribly. Now, what I would do is I would, if anyone was interested in buying these, because they've got quite, quite a lot of different versions. They've got Gallagher and Tetris and, oh, I don't know, they've got loads of games, Centipede and Pong, and there's a load in the range. I would look at a review before you think about buying one. Because this... How much was it? I think it was like $20 or something, and it was like $15 right. to send it here, and I got charged 12 quid duty as well, because I got hit for, for customs. And it is Cust- not worth that money. It is not worth it, because it's just bad it's very badly programmed and i don't believe because you, you charge it up it's like you know it's not got, it's got a cell in it somewhere you charge it via usb mini usb or micro usb and i don't believe you can upgrade the firmware on it. i don't believe you can plug it in and like flash it with some new software if you could do that they really need to sort this program out because it's absolutely terrible steer clear of the dig dug one i don't know about the others because i haven't tried them yet but steer clear of the dig dug one you can't you can get them to the UK. You can't buy them officially in the UK yet because mm, I got mine from America. It, but do not do it. You'll be really disappointed if it's as bad as this one. Because I thought, oh, because they've got a Pac-Man one and there's um, a Tetris, which would be nice to play in your pocket. But yeah, I think you're going to be really sorely disappointed. I would say the Vic 20 version of Dig Dug is better than this. <laughs> yeah. And that's on a three and a half K 1980 computer just because it plays fairly and how the, the game plays with this thing it's just broken the control system is just broken 
I can I can forgive not having the right music, even though it wouldn't be difficult to program the music for goodness sake. But having that problem with the buttons is absolutely awful. It's unplayable. I'm never going to play it again. I'll probably just sell it actually on, on eBay, just get some money back for it because it's rubbish. Mm. Terrible thing. Ugh. Oh dear! Oh dear! Oh dear! Oh dear! Let's get on to some nicer things. You know that Rich <clears throat> Chunks in our mate Rich Chunks in. Chunks yep. in space, Mr. Gregor's himself. He's been up to stuff. He's only gone, and a bit of teamwork. So he's done it with other people, not just himself. He's managed to remove the memory check from Netboot in Sega Naomi, Chihiro, and Triforce games. So this is the Netboot. So you you load games on it via uh, a Netboot inversion. So it loads it sort of off a off a um, off a card. So you change the games rather than loading off a computer with a, an Ethernet cable, which we used to do. Is I think it uses a Pi now. I thought I had actually one with a Pi, and you can actually change games with your phone. You can tell it what game to change. It would just change it over a network. But what they've done is, if half the time they take to load, do you know how those old games do take a little bit long to load? If mm-hmm. half the time, because it's something they've something to do with a memory check. They've stopped it doing it or done it faster or something, and it's loading half the time. And they say it's not world peace, but not bad for a Wednesday. They did it on a Wednesday. Nice, well absolutely done, brilliant. Johnson. Yeah, I kind of miss my my um, Naomi system. I like my Naomi a lot. It was a good p- piece of kit. It had a slightly newer games on it, um, but some of them were really good. And that loading them half the time, even better. And talking about that kind of uh, developments, uh, Mr. Phil Murray has created the Gradient Phil PCB for Scramble Multi. Now, as you know, and maybe listeners, if they remember, I love the. The Scramble Hardware. Mm. Now, Phil made a multi-kit, which you can buy from certain places, for the Scramble Hardware, but it works on Super Cobra, which is the next board mm. up. It's got slightly different hardware to Scramble, but it plays a lot of the Scramble Hardware games. And on Rescue and Minefield, there's a gradient fill in the background. And oh, Phil right. couldn't And Phil couldn't reproduce that with the hardware just on the Super Cobra. It needed extra hardware to do that. But he's reproduced... A little daughter board that goes on top of it, which he's going to get for me. He's going to do one for me, which reproduces that. And also, the only other game that had a little slight difference was Frogger, because Frogger has got a black screen at the top, sorry, a blue screen at the top where the water is, and black at the bottom where the road is. Mm-hmm. And what Phil did is you could choose either black fully or blue fully. But what he's done now, because of this board, it does something with the hardware of the colours. You can have proper Frogger colours now, and he also says it works in. Cocktail mode, because apparently it didn't work in cocktail mode before. So that's an extra improvement there again. Because the gradient fill on those games is actually really good for an old 8-bit game. It looks lovely. Mm -hmm. And you didn't really miss it playing on the hardware, but now he's done it perfect, even better. Have you ever walked up a really steep gradient, like a a 1 in 10? I have, and the colours from the bottom to the top Mm, just change slightly until you get to the the top. The pavement or the tarmac. It's lovely, isn't it? Yeah. You get to the top and you can see that beautiful view. It could be the sea. It could be a beautiful damson dancing in a field. A damson? A, a damson. Is that like a plum? <laughs> a damsel. Are you thinking of a damsel? And a few cows. And, oh dear. It's good to be back, Vic, isn't it? I like tarmac. I really love tarmac, me. It's my favourite road covering. Go on, what you got? Is another bit of news, actually. Um... This is the Polybius. You know what Polybius is, don't you? Uh, yeah. Well, it's an urban legend. This is a Polybius quarter-scale arcade machine from Numskull. Now, this is a new product being kickstarted by Numskull, 
And when I first saw it on Twitter, I was giving the head, heads up on Twitter, it was going to be revealed like the next morning at 8 o'clock. I wonder what it actually was. It's a little tiny arcade machine, you know, the quarter size ones, the ones we've had on, mm. the, on the podcast before. And I thought they'd actually made a game up from the Polybius urban myth because it was um, rumoured. It's a, quite a great story, but there's no, no truth to it at all. It was rumoured the CIA or some shady agency put out an arcade game and it was like mind-bending people and doing stuff to them as a, some sort of weird science experiment. And it's just nonsense, but it's a great yeah. story. And people have like made up you know, their own cabinets with Polybius artwork. And so they, this is an idea, this certain font they use and all this sort of stuff. And it, it's a great story. But I thought they'd made up a game from the Polybius Earth myth, but the game has never existed. No one's ever seen a game. There's never been any evidence of it. But what it actually is, it's a very fancy USB hub. Now, before you groan, like what I did when I first found it, oh, a USB hub. Oh, God, a USB hub. Everything's USB hub-shaped nowadays. It's because you can get like a banana-shaped USB hub, you get a Mario-shaped USB hub, you get a Zelda-shaped USB hub, all this sort of stuff, Pac-Man ones, all that kind of thing. But this one, actually, when I was explained to, it's got a decent purpose. And it's the idea is, is you put it with your other numbskull quarter-inch arcade, so you've got the Gallagher one and the Dig Dug one and the track and field or whatever, you put it with them in your little tiny arcade, and it powers all of them. So you don't need a, right. a plug trailing at the back of every single machine you've got, because they're bringing out quite a lot of these numbskull games. I mean, I've heard of the, the next year or so's releases. I can't go into it now. But there's some good ones coming out. I know that. There's some good ones coming out. And people are going to want to buy them. I can't say. I cannot say because I would have my legs and feet chopped off. Probably. Lazarian. <laughs> yeah, right. But the idea <laughs> is right. This thing has got 10, 10 USB ports in the back of it. So you can put it with your arcade oh. stuff and you could, like, you know, power a USB, fancy Pac Man light or whatever, and all this kind of thing. And the idea is you can just daisy chain these, like, you know, USB ports out the back and not hand just have one plug, one mains plug, and that's it. So that's the idea of it. That's pretty good. It looks really nice as well. They've sort of done it. It's kind of like, because there was no official art for a, a, you know, a game that never existed. They've used the same shape as a sort of um, a Gallagher or a Pac-Man, you know, the sort of sloped Namco top of the camp yeah. kind of thing. And they've done some really it's nice artwork, actually. It's like a sort of um, a teal colour, and the Polybius has got that sort of rounded font to it. It looks quite nice. Mm. And what it does is the screen, there is a screen on it and controls. The controls didn't do anything, but the screen plays like wibbly-wobbly, sort of acid, trippy kind of movements and squirrels and all this sort of thing. Oh, right. And it plays... So there's, there's yeah, something going on. It does, there. yeah. And it plays sort of like weird, squishy, scratchy music and odd sounds and stuff. So it's an idea. It's sort of, you know, melting your brain or something. And, um, yeah, it's, it looks pretty good. Because when I first saw it, I thought, oh, what do you And I thought, actually, yeah, that's a good idea. You can power all this stuff with it. And it wouldn't look out of place on, you know, a geek's table with their, you know, their sort of retro games and stuff and maybe a little light and you can power things obviously from usb off of it you can power lots of stuff like these modern ish games that we you know we're playing i think that thing you've got about that's powered by usb isn't it or or charged yeah. by usb yeah yeah and my micro arcade which i could probably just power in the bin <laughs> yeah so power it's quite it with nice. a cheese sandwich yeah but this thing is not going to be a commercial product so it's on kickstarter uh, and it's going to be li limited to a certain number as well. So it's obviously just for fans of the numbskulls, really. They're not going to put it out in shops and stuff. So whoever backs one, 
it's going to get one, I presume. And it, the last time I looked, which was, I think, yesterday, it was about three-fifths funding, so it's doing quite well. Uh, hopefully it's going to get made. At the time of editing, it is over half-funded with 24 days to go. Uh, they're going to send me one for trial as well. Uh, so, yeah, it's pretty good. But the best thing about it, Sean, and this is unofficial, it's got a working little LCD monitor in it, you know, like all the other games. It's the same kind of thing. And it's quite empty inside. So are you thinking Ooh. what I'm thinking? Yeah, I'm empty inside, aren't I? Yeah, but you're thinking about putting sandwiches in it, aren't you? No. Yeah, you could put uh, a, a different game in, couldn't you? Yes, you could put a Raspberry Pi or something in there. Or even a Mr. Oh, yeah. You know, a Mr. FPGA unit, which we'll get onto later. So, mm. yeah. I, I really want an empty quarter-aid arcade cap uh, to make some sort of working multi-arcade out of. But when I had... They actually gave me a Pac-Man and a Galaxian for helping them out. Sorry, Gallagher. Pac-Man and Gallagher. But they're not really my game, and they were wasted just sitting there doing nothing. So I gave them away on the podcast, didn't I? Some prizes. Mm. And it would have been a real shame because they are really nicely built, these things. I, I went over it with a fine tooth comb and I reviewed it. And they're really solidly put together and they play nicely. You know, LCD screens, obviously a modern thing and that, but it looks nice. The controls work really well and you can actually play a proper game of what you're playing on. It's not just a, a little silly thing like this thing I talked about earlier. It's a, mm. You can actually play a proper game on it. It's big enough to play properly on there if you haven't got room for a proper arcade. And I always wanted to sort of you know, maybe get a broken one for them or something. They didn't have one for spare. So I can pull it apart and make something out of it and put something in it. But I didn't really want to waste it. So this thing, maybe. Hmm. How much is it? What does it say on Kickstarter? I think it does, yeah. I can't remember what it was. I think it's about £100. It's less than the actual the actual yes. units itself. And, and I don't think they're going to be making any profit on the thing. That's why they've done it as a Kickstarter. It's not a commercial product. It's basically just for, for collectors, really. Mm. But I like the look of it. I think it's quite smart. I mean, everything nowadays is a USB hub. You might as well have one that's an arcade-shaped thing, aren't you? It looks nice and sounds yeah. good. I do yeah, like I it. So. And if it's as well-made as the other ones, you can't go wrong. Oh, yeah. We've just been going out for a couple of meals because Jan's working at the club as well now doing doing the accountancy side we're struggling to to get out for a meal at night so we've been going at dinner going you know these these places that are open at dinner and we've been doing that eat out to help out yeah it's a good deal isn't it got one of them but I think it's finished now but I think we're going to go out Thursday because I'm working Thursday night and just have a nice meal. Oh, oh. So that's that's something that we have been doing. And we've been walking around places with trees and reservoirs. You always do that anyway. I know. It's good to get out there again, isn't it? Yeah. Well, last thing in the sort of news and stuff we went up to. It's a bit of a sad news, actually. Uh, just the other day, uh, Atari historian Kurt Vendel uh, has died at the age of 53. Too young. It's too young, man. Uh, Kurt was one of the authors of the excellent book Atari Inc. Business is Fun and that is a proper good book he was one of the authors that was one with a really cool art inside and the history about the artwork and stuff it's a really good good book and unfortunately he's died rest in pixels Kurt yep yep oh little uh, subsection here everyone uh, we haven't got a jingle for this so I shall just do it now biscuit review Biscuit review, a review of biscuits. 
This is one as recommended by he is Jimmy. Who is he? It's a McVitie's Digestives chocolate chip and caramel bits. So Ooh, I've had them. They're nice. So McVitie's Digestive chocolate chip caramel bits. Don't let appearances deceive you, listeners. These may look like <laughs> these may look like a regular. De- digestive that's been dropped in a puddle of mud all brown and blotchy and stuff but they have a subtle yet charismatic taste of bits and caramel and chocolate i like bits slowly building as you consume half of the packet you get a lot in a packet too you do you do not like them oaty cookie crumble posh things where you get eight in a plastic tray and are about two quid also these are wife approved she likes them as well yeah but those Posh eight in a tray proper biscuits, the ones I like. Uh, you know, a prince like myself would enjoy. You can actually <laughs> you can actually eat the plastic tray, right? And it gives you the strength of a thousand bears. Does it? Yes. Oh, I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna try that. It's a bit chewy. Yeah, a little bit. This is the section, this is my wallet. This is sort of nicked from the uh, broken token where they try and spend Brent's money, but my wallet is trying to spend my money because mm. Yeah, I haven't been spending a lot lately, and it's it's really trying to spend stuff. And it's gone and bought a mister, hasn't it? Yeah. You knew I was going to do it before long. I was I was putting it off for so long. I don't want FPGA. I probably won't use it. I've got emulation already. It was one of those things where I thought, sod it, I'm going to buy one. And I bought one off R. Lewis. Oh, he's not said. It's recently this. Yes, not too long ago. A few weeks ago, he actually. Might, he might have said, and I forgot. I don't know. Maybe. So I bought the... It did me a very good deal on it. It gave me loads of extras with it. It's the Mister, which is the the DE10 Nano, which is the FPGA board. It's got a little under hat on it, which has got a U. It's got eight USB ports on it for putting controllers and stuff in it and that kind of thing. And it's got the 128 meg memory add-on, which is the maximum I think you can get for it. So you can play all the Neo Geo stuff, and it can play everything basically on there. Because you can play stuff without the memory. You can play very, very early stuff, and I think some of the computer add-ons. But when you want to play some stuff with a bit of grunt, you've got to have a memory add-on. And you can get 32 of 64, I think, and the 128. So it's got the, the top memory on there. And I've got a JPack with it as well, so I can add it to an arcade machine. And I'm currently waiting for an I.O. board for it, which is the easiest way to get VGA out of it. And then you can convert it to 15 kilohertz via the JPack. Right, yeah. Which is what I'm going to do. And I've put some cores on it. I've got all the cores on it. It... it it automatically updates. If you put a little uh, Bluetooth um, or a wireless dongle in it, which I have done, it updates itself via your Wi-Fi. So you just go on there, update, and it does it all for you automatically. It's really good, really quick. And I've been playing That's a few cool, things on it. It's very good. I like it. I like it. It seems to me just like a computer emulation. I've not. No- I haven't played anything that I've really noticed yet. I haven't had, I haven't given Dig Dug a good go yet, which I need to do just to see how good mm. it is. And I haven't really noticed that much difference yet, but I haven't played it very much at all. I'm waiting for the IO board to come and then I'm going to put it all together on a board, like a, almost like a PCB, and then put it in one of my cabs and play it in my cabs. I haven't put it on a cab yet, but I have had it on a super gun and it looks nice on a, on a PVM screen. It looks really good. So I'm waiting for that to come in. I've probably played that your very one at the club when we were messing around with it in a cab, mm. and we were playing like Rygar and stuff, and it's it's lagless, not legless, lagless. There's lagless. no lag. That's what I you want. Can't can't detect it whatsoever. It's so good. Well, there is a board coming out that someone's developing at the moment. I think two or three people are developing separate boards that do the same thing, which goes straight to Jammer. 
So you just plug it into the thing and it goes straight into Jammer. There's no JPack, which you know gets rid of any lag. It's gonna be absolutely completely lagless apparently. Because at the moment I think there there may be one or two frames, that kind of thing, which is undetectable anyway to normal people like us. But it's gonna be absolutely zero. And I don't think I'm gonna even need it to be that good, to be honest. I think the JPack is gonna do what I want it to do. And the only thing I don't like about it, which is hopefully going to be worked on, it's only a little silly software niggle I've got with it, is when you when you boot the thing up, it comes up with a sort of a fuzzy screen and you get a really, really simple black and white uh, choosing menu screen. So you can choose what core you yeah. want to play. You've got all the consoles, the computers, arcades and stuff. And what you can do is you can set it to auto-boot the last core run. So if you were playing Dig Dug on it and you turn the thing off, Turn it back on again, Dig Dug should come up. No menus, nothing. Just like an arcade machine, Dig Dug will come up. But for some reason, it keeps erroring. It keeps saying it's, it can't find a file. But if you go in the in the menu and play it, it works perfectly. But it just will not, at the moment, auto-boot. I think you can auto-boot into, into the computer cores and the console cores. But the arcade cores are very slightly different. I think that's just a little problem they've got to sort out. It's only a little niggly thing at the moment. But that's what I want it to do. So when I put it in an arcade cabinet, when I turn the cabinet on... It'll be just like an arcade machine playing a dedicated game. That's how I want it to work. And I'll just change them periodically when I want to change them. But that's what I want it to do. So it's not quite doing what I want at the moment. But I'm not worried because I'm still waiting for the I.O. board to come in. But then I'll go on the um, the forums and hopefully someone will fix it by then. But they, they're, they're doing stuff to it every single day. I was just reading the other day that they've got um, sound working in the cave cores now. They're getting it. I think they're Ooh. not quite working yet. But it's, it's rather than making the horrible scratchy noises... Is some semblance of sound going on, and they're working on that. So yeah, it's coming on. Some real good games coming on that. I'm hoping they'll do stuff like uh, some stuff with like TTL sounds, like Space Invaders. You know, so I can actually mm. hear how good the sound is. Because I've actually got an official Midway cocktail cabinet. I want to hear if it's the same kind of sounds as it. See if it, see if they can replicate it as good. It'd be really interesting to see that because it's. It's a totally different kind of technology. It's more hardware sounds, and hopefully they can do that. I'm not sure. I don't know. Can I do a joke about the cause? Go on. You, you're on about cause. I was going to do yeah, kind of like yeah. a clever joke about. I know the, what's coming. The, the the singing band, the cause. You know, yes. are they stuck in there? So I'll think about it and come up with a really funny joke, Vic. Okay. All right. I'll hold I'll you to that. I'll tell you later. So that's one thing I bought lately. I mean that was, that was mm-hmm. it wasn't really expensive, but it was, it was a few quid, you know, a few quid. Um, I also bought, and this was really cheap because I, I got it sort of for free. Um, I got a Puyo Puyo bootleg PCB for the Mister Driller Cab because Puyo Puyo is a, it's a puddle a puzzle game. It's a horizontal game, so it fits in that cab lovely. It's only got one button, and I love Puyo Puyo. I've always loved that game. Uh, Doctor Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine was the one I played on the on the Mega Drive. But Puyo Puyo is the proper Japanese version of it. So it's a little bean game, sort of like a kind of like a Tetris kind of puzzle game. When you get three or four together, they disappear. It's a really cool little game. And what yeah. it was is one of the... I can't remember which guy it was now. I forgot your name, sorry. But one of the guys on UK VAC, I was building a Vectrex controller for them. And they paid this as part of the payment for it. So there was no money exchange for this PCB, put it that way. Which I like. Ooh. You know that game that we covered years ago called Upoko? Upoko, yeah, that cave game. With one, one single button. Uh, actually, it was a, a lever pull, weren't it? It's joystick pull. Yes. And you, and you like a reverse tech. We've got that at the club in a candy cab. Oh, wow, cool. <laughs> it's quite popular. Mr. Really. K-Man Sweden would love that. He's really good at that. He's got the original. Because he had, when we went to see him, 
he had the original board in one of his can in his I think he had it in his Capcom cube, which is in his daughter's room. And it had the little cat levers. It's got these little cat joystick knobs that go over the the thing he uses the lever. And they are cost a fortune apparently. They're really hard to find. Like cave originals. And that's what you do. You just hold the joystick down for a few seconds and let go of it like a pinball plunger and it pl- it throws a that's ball it. over and it the, hot, it, yeah. the, hot, the longer you hold it down the further across the screen it throws it and you've got to kind of gauge where you're throwing it it's a real fun little game that one really good mm. ah, what else have you got here's what else one. I've bought uh, I've ordered a Dreamcast GDMU and a little star because because it's not come yet I've also ordered a GDMU mounting kit which is a mounting kit for that particular thing and I have got a Dreamcast VGA cable, a new cable. But I haven't got a Dreamcast yet. So what does that do? A GDMU. Mm. It replaces the GD ROM drive in a Dreamcast with an SD card. Oh, and you just load it up. Load the, the ROMs on so they load almost instantly. Because a lot oh, of the GD ROMs in Dreamcast now are getting a bit, you know, not working so well or whatever, they're getting a bit tired. And this mm. thing replaces that. But what it is, is another uh, customer of mine, uh, Stephen in America, is a lovely guy. Uh, he He's recently got a VEC Fever cart, and he's bought a few of my controllers. And he didn't know how to put games onto the VEC Fever, because he's, he's not really computer literate. And he was a bit worried about, you know, he had to you know do this and do that. And I said, no, no, I'll, I'll Skype you. So I Skyped him one day, when, the appropriate time, because he's like eight hours behind. And I was just talking to him, and I was looking at what he was doing on his Vectrex and just guiding him through it and got some games on the on the Vectrex for him. It's all working now. It's all updated and everything because he bought it and the guy never updated the thing since day one. So it was on a really old firmware. So I upgraded it to the latest firmware, put games on it for him, and he's really happy now. And he was showing me around some of the things he collects and he had, he had like tons of stuff in his house. And he's got, a real, he's got loads of controllers for the Vectrex and all this sort of stuff. And he said, oh, this is my Dreamcast. And he had about five of them. I said, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd, love, I'd love Dream. I sold mine a little while ago. He says, oh, I'll send you one. I'll send you one. I went, oh, well, thank you very much. And he's sending me a box Dreamcast with a controller and a memory card and all that sort of stuff. So when that comes, it's going to be obviously an American one, which American power. Mm. But you replace, I think with this GDMU, you're supposed to replace the power anyway, the Pico power supply. So it runs off of like 12 volts rather than mains volts. And I think they run a, they run a lot cooler and stuff as well, so they don't wear out and that kind of thing. But I think the Pico's power supplies are a lot better for it. So I'm going to do that and have a Dreamcast again. I've had a Dreamcast for a while now. I kind of miss it because I, I like those little consoles. Because, you know, I bought mm-hmm. a Mega Drive 3, which is the smaller version, and I bought the NES Junior and the SNES Junior, and I like PC engines. Well, the Dreamcast's quite small as well. And the Dreamcast yeah. has some wicked games on it. The Dreamcast was my favourite console back in the day. I bought that when PS2 was out. Uh, probably five or six months I had one for, and I sold it on for some reason. All oh, right, because a lot of the Naomi games obviously came from from Dreamcast. They're almost exactly the same. Mm, yeah. So there's some good ones on there, and I think there's some good homebrews on there as well, actually. But it'd be nice to have all the games on one SD card, because with with the Dreamcast, a lot of piracy went about, and you had a boot disc. You'd put a disc in first, let it load up, take the disc out, put your copy game in, and off you go. Which yeah. is a bit of a bummer for the Dreamcast. Probably that's what killed it, actually. But um, yeah, you can have all the games on on one GD ROM now, or SD card. Sorry. Very nice. I'm looking forward to that coming. Actually, I haven't played with the Dreamcast for a long, long time. It'd be nice to have a little project as well to sort of 
mod it and stuff. I like modding stuff. You know what I'm like. I quite like the controllers, the Dreamcast controllers. Do you know what? Nice. Nobody else does. No? I thought they were fine. I had no problem yeah, with them. Yeah, no problem I at think all. Yeah, I think they're pretty good. The arcade controller for the Dreamcast is quite sought after now. They were quite nice. I think they may have been made by Hori. can't remember. But I had one years ago, and I sold it to a friend of mine. I sold all my Dreamcast uh, stuff to a friend of mine who was really into consoles at the time. And I had one of them there. But yeah, really, I don't mind the controllers at all. Because what I might yeah, do, right. so if I do get into playing it again, I might have to make another um, interface. Actually, I've still got it. I've just remembered I've still got it in a box somewhere. I've got an interface which allows you to play the Dreamcast on an arcade machine. I made a jammer interface for it years ago. It's really right. easy to make. And I used to play Soul Calibur in my cab before I actually had the PCB of it. That'd be cool. Mm, that'd be nice. Yeah, it would cool. actually. Yeah, I, games, I had Soul Calibur. I wasn't into fighting games. That was so impressive on the Dreamcast. Oh, wasn't it's it? lovely, isn't it? Mm. Listener feedback. First one is Samuli Tuamola. He's written him before. I remember his name. And he's on about the screen flashing in MAME on... Operation Wolf. Operation Wolf. Yeah. And he says, of course it can be disabled. Because when you press the gun on it, and obviously when you press the, the mouse button when you're playing on MAME, it emulates the flashing of the screen, which was like a you know a, a light gun thing, which happened. Obviously, that's how it works. Mm. And what he says is if you go to um, mamecheat.co.uk, uh, he says there's an on-off type mods in arcade games, and it's usually more trouble redoing the checks and modifying the game. So actually, you can do it with a cheat. It's not actually a cheat, is it? It's just a thing that it can do that changes the game, I suppose. So they, they call it a cheat. Hmm. It's worth looking at. We've got one here from Chris Doherty. Dear Mr. Victor and Mr. Sean, thanks as always for the entertaining podcast. You guys are definitely legends. Ooh. Sorry if this has been been suggested, but I think the classic burger time would make for a great challenge. The music might drive people at the wall, though, thinking about it. Keep <laughs> well, we're not playing that because Mr. Charlie Farrow just trounced everyone. Get millions. That that is basically on the list of Charlie Far no nos, so he's, we're not allowed to play that one. No, don't worry, we will get to it. I mean, that game infuriates me because I'm not very good at it, but I do like it. I do like it. If I have a bit of tuition, I'd play it properly. I may maybe go into it. Yeah, we'll go. We'll definitely put it on the list. I've told you the Charlie Far story of this, haven't I? Which where, one? Where he he got really really good at it in about a month, getting like world record kind of level yeah but you, you have to, to get those kind of points you have to group the, the baddies and yes. there's one level where he was it took 40 minutes oh god to, just to, to get group, them all together to group the baddies and he still did it see i, I couldn't be bothered, bothered. That. <laughs> yeah well i see that because when what you do is you use your peppers up to get them in the same position so they're all running together on top of each other and then when you drop them, you get like 50,000 points every time they drop and stuff like that. And then when mm. they come out again, when they're all dead, they come out exactly the same state. So they're all grouped again. And you can just do lots and lots of levels like that. So it's sort of like a, it takes such a long time to do that. When you've got it, you, you're basically eating the game then. No problem at all. Yeah, but I don't think, I think just playing it normally is quite a challenge. Mm. Matt Neo MK has been on. Evening, Victor. First of all, a big thank you for the Vectrex joystick I received recently. I sold one to him. Uh, it works flawlessly. It looks fantastic, and your attention to it is so spot on. Very pleased with it. However, I have something of an arcade mystery for the podcast. I was walking off Millennium Square in Bristol and spotted a shop front at Harborside Bristol Harborside Arts Centre, which, to my amazement, had about 15-plus 
arcade cabs on display. There seem to be a Sinistar, Defender, Dig Dug, Rally X, Power Drift, Star Wars, Sidearms, Road Blasters, Point Blank, and I think I could see two classic Konami red, blue, and white circle design cabs, uh, like track and field. And he sent me some pictures. Can anyone enlighten us? Are there plans for a new arcade hub in the southwest? Or is it someone's private collection? Thanks for the podcast and keeping us all entertained. So if anyone's in Bristol, who's around the uh, Bristol Harbourside Art Centre, can you find out for us, please, and write in? I'd like to know. Mm. I'd, I'd be off for a little trip down there when everything's safe again. Yeah, it's a long way for me, but I, I, I might go for it. Alex Nintendo Arcade. Hey, do, mate. Hope his arm's getting better. His arm's getting a bit better, isn't it? Yeah. I, I got introduced to your podcast with this little green man I met in the woods. He came from outer space. He said, all right, mate, here, listen to this. So I did. I'm sure it was some kind of mind control. Anyway, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Just thought I'd let you know that your podcast is reaching the far depths of the universe. <laughs> I think he may still have been under sedation when he wrote that when he was having his arm done could have been <laughs> yes uh, Phil Nez for life great podcast gents as always Sean is struggling to find a quiz that will really tax you Victor keep up the good work what arcade machine would you suggest someone new to the hobby should buy and why a uh, question for Victor if you had to replace all of your ISIS cabs with one of the following options which would you choose uh, Dino King Love and Berry conversions all one-ups, all quarter arcades, all bar tops, or all bar chops? And this is a question for you, Sean. We'll go over these in a minute. Uh, mm. For Sean, if you had to eat only one type of biscuit for a year, which would you choose? Garibaldi, Nice, Ginger Nuts, or Rich Tea? Right, Oof. let's let's take this apart, shall we? Let's put Oof. things on the back burner, and we'll take things apart. <laughs> so, first one he says... Um, an arcade machine would you suggest someone new to the hobby should buy and why? Now, I know some people who are quite standard, new to the hobby. Standard jammer Woody, you reckon? Yeah, yeah, because our mates, Sol and his brother, Tiny Dan, Tiny Dan have huge. recently been buying a few arcade camp cabs themselves. And Sol's been sending me some pictures of some repairs he's done, actually. Done really well. And what they did is they bought some generic Woody-type things, but they've got a 19-inch screen, which is the most common-sized screen, and you can rotate them. So whether you have to take the glass out the front and just lift it out carefully, turn it 90 degrees and back in, or whether it's on a rotate wheel, that's the best way, because you can play the games, obviously, the proper orientation. Because with an arcade PCB, if it's a, a vertically-oriented game, you can't play it in the middle of a horizontal screen. You've got to turn the screen round, and vice versa with the horizontal game. And with that, you can do that, and it's quite easy to do. And it's with a 19-inch screen, it's not too heavy either. Because if you mm. bought yourself a Goliath, which I, uh, electrical and Goliath, which I used to have as my main machine, it had a, that particular one I had that was the model with a 25-inch screen in it, which is heavy. And if you wanted to actually rotate it, you can rotate them, but you've got to take the whole thing out, unbolt a load of bolts, turn it around in the, the, the chassis bit that it sits in, the sort of frame it sits in, and then put it all back in again. And it's a right painted, it's not just on a wheel. But some of the older Goliaths had a 19-inch screen and a wooden wheel. So what you did is you took the glass off the front, rotated the wheel round because it's on a sort of like a sort of slidey bit, mm. and there you go, and it's really easy. So I would say a 19-inch screen or smaller, a little cabaret 14-inch maybe, you can turn the screen around really easy, and make sure it's jammer. At least three buttons per control, and that would do, I think, do for most games. Yeah, I reckon that that would do. And they're quite a good price. You'll probably get one for three to 500 quid. Yeah, 
so that's not too bad. So my question from Phil Ness for Life is on about the... Uh, if I had to replace your ISIS cabinet, I think I've got seven of these cabinets. They're cabaret-sized generic cabinets. I used to get in chip shops around the UK when I was a kid. I would probably... I wouldn't choose one-ups because I hate them. You know, I, mm. I really hate the quality of one-up cabs. Uh, quarter arcades are too small to have in a, in a full... In a garage-sized arcade because I've got a garage arcade. If I had one room... Yeah, I think quarter arcades would be pretty good because you you just got the small like a desktop area or whatever. Mm. Bar tops, not really because they're quite small. You need to sit behind a bar. You've got to sit them on somewhere and have a seat to play them. And bar chops is basically a half a arcade cab. I would definitely go for Dino Kings because I've had Dino Kings before, and they're they're really easy to convert to jammer. They've got fifteen inch fifteen inch fifteen kilohertz screens in them already. Fourteen inch screens rather. And, yeah, they work really nicely. And I used to make the control panels, so I can do all the stuff myself for them. And you can make really nice art packages up for them. Because Ollie at um, Arcade Art Shop has got all the sizes for those cabinets. So you can do any artwork you like on the control panel, on the sides, all that sort of stuff. Definitely Dino Kings. So sure, really good ones, haven't we? We've seen that the Asteroids one. Is that Mr. Flintster did that? No, is no, that, that's, that um, that's Smarty Martin. Is it? Sorry. Mr. Yeah, Flint's was... has got a few of them, and he's themed them up nicely as well. Yeah, th- yeah, there's some really good ones. Right, my biscuits. I've got Gary Baldy. This nice, is a burning question, Sean. Make sure you get it right. Nice, nice, ginger nut, rich tea. Ginger nut, if it's after eaten for, for a year, it might get a bit too repetitive. Rich tea's too plain. I'd go for the nice biscuit, because it's got a bit of a sugary, a sugary top. <laughs> I like yes. a sugary top. So that would do me that. But obviously, custard creams where... Where, where necessary. Custard creams where necessary. Is that your mantra? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> On to the next one. Mr. Ed Horse with his hooves. I've been listening to the podcast, but I've been so busy with work during lockdown, I haven't had time to do any arcade fixing or playing along with the temperature. I thought he was missing. Him and his horses, mm. his band of horses. Hopefully I'll have time to get back into it, but thanks again to the Direct Duo for this great episode. Was a big fan of the... Uzi 9mm. Back in the day, what a beast of a cab it was. Could always hear it clacking away at the sounds of other games. I think it was the feedback from the gun itself that made it satisfying compared to the likes of the new Terminator games Sean mentioned. Keep up the great work as always. Hopefully with monthly podcasts have relieved some strain on the pressures of making it along with other life commitments. They have, actually. Yeah. Last one from Mr. Drumsey, the sidekick creator. Great podcast as it was, gents. Keep up the tremendous work. Looking forward to see Sean perform some impromptu poetry at our cake club. I was doing poetry last time, weren't I, on the, on the podcast? You want me to do some more? No. All right, then I'll leave that then. Friendly shout outs. I'd like to give a shout out to Alex and Rav for the new game room tour. I haven't watched this yet, but. Uh, Rav is basically the grandfather of UK arcade collecting. He's been doing it for a long, long time. He, I think, he was the one who started off UK VAC. Um, he's not so much of a. He's still got a load of stuff now. He doesn't actively collect anymore because he's got other things going on. But he has a really good collection. He's a really nice guy as well. I know him quite well. Good lad. Yeah, it's what he's one of the originators, isn't he? Yeah. No, yeah. I don't think he actually started it, but he's one of the like one of the main originators yeah yeah, yeah, it, yeah it was really good that game room tour i haven't seen it yet because i haven't had um, enough time in the bath to watch one but i shall be watching that soon 
Grey Fox Books have asked us to plug their Kickstarter, which looks really good. It's an arcade coin-op guide, mm-hmm. and there's 52 hours to go. I'm just looking at it now. It's a Kickstarter. Oh, it's whizzed past its uh, goals. Yeah, they've got 33,000 of 26,000 goals, so it's going to be made. And it looks a glossy arcade hardback book, hundreds of screenshots. It looks really good, actually, so might pick that up. The thing about these books, a lot of these retro gaming books come out console computers, and a lot of them I've seen, to my untrained eye, just look like screenshots, glossy pictures of graphics. And mm. I do not want to buy a book to look at that. I want to read about the games. I want to read about how they were developed, the people who made them, the people who made the music, the publishers, the stories behind them, the stories behind the games. And that's what this thing looks like it is. It's not just pictures of screenshots, which I think is pointless. Absolutely pointless. You just put it on the coffee table, quick glance it, bored of it. I don't like those books. Mm. So this one looks really nice. And if they want to send us one to, to review, I wouldn't refuse. Mm. <laughs> I, might, I, might I, even, I might even buy it. Wow. I'm going to give a shout out to Charlie Farr. Oh, so will I. He's been progressing through the Gallagher World Championships kind of thing. It was called Galagathon or something. And he got to the semi finals. And it was being, despite that, he had to be awake on US time. So he had to be playing at midnight and one in the morning. And he lost in the semi-finals, but he lost to the overall winner. Oh, wow. And the, the rules started getting a bit different where you can, it, as you got to semi-finals, I think it was one life, as far oh. as you could get on one life and no double bullets, that kind of thing. I think oh, that right. was it. Because he's, he's been getting millions on Gallagher now, hasn't he? Because it's a natural progression from Galaxian World Champion up to getting close to the Gallagher. I think he'll probably get this, you know. Mm. But isn't it like a marathon? Because with the Gallagher, you can play it for a long, long time. Yeah. No, no. It has got a kill screen, hasn't it? Gallagher's got a kill screen. I don't know. It has. 256. I think you just blow up it or something at 256. Gallagher does indeed have a kill screen after level 255. So I think it's about four million odd, but I've got a feeling there is a marathon setting as well. Maybe on a, oh, trying to think now, try not to talk at my bottom. You know the later versions with the Ms. Pac-Man and Gallagher's. Yeah, the I anniversary thing. I think there's a setting on that that doesn't have the the two fifty six kill screen on it, and you can keep going forever. And I think that's what wow. they play marathon on. And I don't think Dar David has got time to do marathon games because he's not really player like that so what i think he what he does is just play the um the hard version and just get as many points as you can that sort of thing but he's getting good at it getting very good at it oh yeah excellent let's give him for being so good and getting second Uh oh roll the music sean Arcade Master Quiz. Your name, pass. No, no, your chosen, name. Your name. Chosen, uh, Holly. Occupation. Sean. Uh, chosen pro- doing rubbish at quizzes. Beardy fool. But you're gone. Here is a quiz. Quiz one five four for Sean Holly. It's going to be easy. Uh, I've got. I tell you what. I'm going to actually write down your scores this time because I always forget to do it, and that's the point of a quiz, isn't it? So, question. <laughs> I've got about. Ooh, 11 or so. There's probably more than 10, actually. Question one. Name 
two games that use the MCR2 hardware. Tapper. Wah, wah. Spy Hunter. Wah, wah. I'll say no then. You got this wrong already. Ooh. You could have chosen Domino Man, Journey, Cosmic Cruiser, Satan's Hollow, Tron, Two Taggers, or Wacko. I think you were thinking of MCR3. Oh, Pants. No, that's, that's not on the list. Not Question no two. Name three games with four buttons on the control panel, not including Neo Geo cabinets and anything with more than four buttons. So I don't want to hear Mortal Kombat and I don't want to hear Street Fighter. Lazarian? Yes. Space App? Yes. One more to get the point. Ooh, it gets hard now, doesn't it? Four buttons. You're going to kick yourself when I tell you. It's going to be a directional thing, isn't it? Mm. Uh, Frogger. No. No. Go on. You don't want the point, because you're not going to get it, unless you get this last one. You've got two out of three. Give us a clue. Fighting game. But not Neo Geo. Right, you didn't get any points for this one. You could have chosen Vanguard. I got two points. No, you want, I wanted three to get the point. You got two. <laughs> all right, I'll tell you what, you got two thirds of a point for that, right? Yes, two thirds. Of you a could point. have chosen Vanguard. Vanguard. It's got four fire buttons, hasn't it? Star yeah. Castle's just got four buttons. It hasn't got a hyperspace like um, Asteroids. Oh, Space Jewel and any of the Tekken games. They yeah. got four buttons. And Soul Edge. And also, there's a game called, I think it's called Blockade, or black and white game, which is basically Snake. That had four buttons, directional buttons on it. Can we do that one again? No. Question three. What kind of game is Plasma Sword? It's a one-on-one fighter. Yes. Yeah. So you've got one and two-thirds points out of three yes. so far. Owning it this time. Oh, yeah, you definitely are. Question four. What kind of game is Bullfighter? Bullfighter. Bullfighter. Is it a bullfighting game? Wah, wah. <laughs> got you. It's an ice hockey game. Is it? Yeah. That's stupid. <laughs> There's a few um, hidden... Hidden gems in here, by the way. There's a couple of uh, tricky ones. Question five. I think I may have asked you this one before, so this can be a follow-up question. What controls does Crater Raider have? And we've both played it. It's got... Has it got a dial? Yes. And And I want the exact kind of method of control. Like a a flight stick thing with a button on top. But what does that particular joystick do? It may, it allows where, you to Where play does the game. it go? Where does it go? To the shops. <laughs> Should we say no to that then? I've got it. That's, it's, it's right it's, though. It's it? only an up and down joystick with buttons on it. I'll give you a quarter of a point for that. Oh god, I've got to add up all these bloody fractions in a minute. So you've got one and five-eighths so far out of five. Question six. What game is eight-ball action converted from? 
converted from. Yeah. It's a popular game you can make into an eight ball action. I don't even know what eight ball action is. Is it pool or something? Yeah, it's a pool game. Why would you want to make it convert something into a pool game? I'll tell you what, I wouldn't. Eight ball action. I don't know. Galaxian. Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong. Yeah. Oh God. Mad, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Right, this is a subjective one, but you've got, you got a choice of two answers for this. How mad is Snacks and Jackson? Very mad. No, I'll give you one Ex- more try. Extremely mad. I've got here, bat it or off its tits. Off its tits? Yes. Question eight. What's unusual about the joystick on Super Punch-Out? Super Punch-Out. I know there's a big button on the cab, a knockout button, but joystick, I don't know. No? No. If you pull it upwards, you can pull it upwards, there's a button under it, and it makes you block. There's a button under the stick? Yeah, inside, underneath the cabinet. So when you pull it up, it hits a switch. You pull the lever up, and it hits a switch, and that's why you block. You don't know that? I don't like the game, and I know that. You just pull the button. You just block by pulling down, don't you? No. You pull it up. Pull it up? Mm Mm-hmm. No. I don't play it. No, it's rubbish. This is rubbish. This quiz fix too hard. He. Question nine. Nine? Right. Two and five eights. Remember I said about the tricky ones earlier, right? Yeah. What year was Time Pilot 84 released? 1984. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) question 10 the trick question what character do you control in Zwackery some bally midway bonkers things isn't it yeah a wizard yes yes 11 bonus question bonus what kind of a game is versus gong fight you made that up? Nope. Is it a red tent thing? Nope. Is it a Nintendo thing? No. Nope. Versus Gong Fight. Gong. What type of a game? Yeah. Gong Fight. Is it boxing? Yes. Oh. And for an extra quick point, who made it? And you know it ain't Nintendo. Sega. No, Kaneko. Kaneko. So I reckon I've got five and five-eighths. No, you've got four and five-eighths out of a possible 11 plus. No, I've got Zwackery. You can't even say it. How could you get it right? I added that in. I added that in. Four and five-eighths. Or, I don't actually care because you're so poor, you can have five and five-eighths points. Yes. Brilliant. Right, next quiz is going to be... That is still known as rubbish. The next quiz is going to be impossible. Possible. And I'll still get 12 out of 5. Or something. And here is a word from our sponsor about lasers. You have been chosen to be the ultimate laser warrior. First, choose wisely. Choose the laser that really works together. It scores on the helmet, scores between phasers, and module. When going into battle, don't get tagged. Be the ultimate laser warrior. Photon really works together. You have chosen wisely. Photon, only from Entertech. 
Feature Game Review. Lazarian, Sean. Lazarian. Lazarian. No, sorry, I got it wrong. I got it wrong. I said it wrong. Remember what we said at the start? Yeah. It's Lazarian. That's it. Yeah, it's not Lazarian then. It's Lazarian. That's not, not. Say it again. Lazarian. That's it. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. This is by Bally Midway, licensed from Zakaria in 1981. Or Zachariah. Yeah. Or Zakaria. 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 Zach. I tell you what, on, on all honesty, I've always wanted to know how you said Zakaria because I've heard people say Zakaria and Zachariah because it's an Italian company. There probably is a proper way. I bet we're saying it. I bet it's Zacharia or something. I bet we're saying it. If any Italian listeners know how to say that word, please tell us phonetically how to say it. Now, this is a multi-level, horizontally-orientated shooting game. It's a joystick with four fire buttons, up, down, left, and right fire. It is powered by a pathetic Signetics S2650 CPU at 3.5 megahertz. Uh, For a similar quality, in inverted brackets, game, check out Cat and Mouse, which looks like a ZX Spectrum game. And it sounds like this. Sean put it in because there is missing sounds from MAME, the MAME one, and you can hear them in the video we just played. Yeah, there's explosions and stuff, so it does make the, the gameplay a bit better. Anyway, do you want me to read my description on how to play? Yes, please. Okay. This game is split into five or six levels, kind of. First level, shoot the yellow zone. Or the custard there's, zone. Shoot the custard. Shoot some custard. There's a big blue ball with spinning red balls inside it. Shoot the red balls when they turn blue. Dodge the small red balls as they orbit the big blue ball. Watch out for the overzealous collision detection. Enter the big big blue ball when all the red balls have been shot. Now, let me just stop you there. You are really trivialising the game here and making it sound very, very... Oh, actually it is very... (laughs) <laughs> basic isn't it next next one you are now in the big blue ball and the the helpful lettering at the bottom of the screen says destroy the meteors yes so the blue balls now turn red that's good the red balls have turned blue and now can fire fast bullets unfortunately kids your bullets have gone slow painfully slow but just have fun and shoot the blue balls anyway to get to the next level guess what this level's called Navigate the tunnel of fear. <laughs> it's, it's a tunnel of fear. It's, it's so not scary. that fearful, is it? It's so scary. You're mm. in a maze with wind or something pushing you back unless you constantly move the stick forward. That's not annoying at all. Little men yeah. come out of the walls. Little wavy arm men shoot them. Then move up a level in the maze and the wind reverses direction and you have to shoot some birds or something and they're behind space invaders type barriers. You know, you chip, chip away at the barriers and they disappear and they release the birds. The maze is narrow and the birds can dodge your bullets by moving to the top of the top or bottom of the maze wall but you can't dodge their bullets which is nice even the invulnerability cheat that stopped work because i put it on cheats just to get through it that stopped working and you kept dying 
wall, <laughs> wall three of the tunnel has has you being fired at from below by cream eggs and being followed by those wavy arm stick men again. The last bit is some scramble type meteors. You know the the third level of scramble where you you, you fireballs, kind of, fireballs. Yeah, it's kind of like that, but in reverse. Mm. And then you get to that that screen when you reach another version of your ship. In this level, you've been talking about, right? You're attacked by little stick men that look like the geezers off of um, Load Runner, mm. or, or uh, jumping. What's it called? Jumpman. Jumpman. They're like that. little stick men. But what I was mm. thinking, right? You're in a spaceship, right? So how come these little guys can touch your spaceship and kill you? You know, just run the suckers over. Yeah, and the, those wasp things you're on about, them birdie, beaky, flipping things, they're annoying because they really whiz at you real quick. And if they fire to the top and bottom, no, if they go to the top where you can't hit them, you can only fire in mm-hmm. the middle of that of that sort of narrow alleyway you're trying to get down. Yeah. Mm. Never mind. The best is best is coming up. Aim for the eye. It says on the Oof, next screen, right in your eye. Oh. There's a big boss screen created in ASCII code graphics, it looks like, and it fires mm. bullets at you while you have to shoot through his ever-repairing belly. You shoot through his belly and kill him. Yeah. Like, what's it? It's similar to some other game. That you it's have Phoenix, to move, but nowhere near as good. That's it. Mm. You have to move down every few seconds. That's you'll, you'll get killed by point-blank firing from himself. But as you move down, his belly repairs. So you've got to go. You've got to shoot two avenues to get up. Two wavy arm men. I'll put yeah from Jumpman look like will fire at you from the left or right. With a bit of luck, you can shoot the boss in the eye, and this hell is almost over. Almost. Even though you hit the thing in its eye, right? It then detaches, and. And you have to hit the eye four times. Big Boss's eye flies all over the screen, obviously using that lazy AI where it tracks your movement and it dodges your bullets quite a lot. It just reverses direction when you shoot. You are now stuck on the bottom of the screen, Galaxian style, again firing slow bullets. If you don't get him soon enough, he'll just ram you and send you back two screens to the maze level. Oh, really? Yeah, if you if you defeat oh, him. Oh, wow. I don't think I killed him in normal play. I think I put endless lives on and did it, but I just lost interest by then. And then it says, go for next mission. No, thank you. When I played this, I think when I played it properly, mind, when I was away, which we'll get onto later, where I actually first played it, I think I did that that level straight away. I didn't get killed. I didn't get taken back. So I I never did that. But if I'd found that out, I'd have been annoyed. That is annoying. Mm. Send you back levels when you just get killed once. That's silly. Mm. There's a time limit to every level, which is in the in the form of a fuel gauge. I think it is. Never so ran out of that. Never ran out. That that makes you try and get things over quick, which is good for this. Just get it over with. <laughs> tips, tips, and secrets. I've put play once, go for a lie down. Now, if you play in the original Zack version, which is is it Laser Blaster, Laser laser or something laser battle in it laser battle you can't even turn on the rapid fire like we're allowing on this challenge which is much more painful uh, the shots on the first level when you're in the f- in the circle that they shoot at you seem faster you know when you go inside the red circle they seem to get you really quick and i think there was some bits missing from one of the games to the other like the 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 entrance screen or there's some music different there's some the there is some subtle differences for the, between the two versions, the ROM versions. The graphics and sound, you're on about saying they're awful. I, I can't believe you said this is the best... Ge- no, it's not, is it? It's not, is it? 
Uh, sound is repetitive, two-channel triangle wave classical tune renditions. Uh, bullet and explosion sounds or something are missing from MAME. So you do you do miss out some quite good sound effects, I think, from the original game. There are But I, I like the wobbly TTL sounds. I really do. But they don't go... Those sort of like you know swooshy explosion bassy sounds don't go with those weird royalty free classical tunes, which is probably why they used them. Um, diddly, 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 diddly. Is yeah, it, that's, it, oh, is that Davy Jones? Davy Jones' locker yeah, went down like to the bottom of the sea. Bottom of the sea died like Lazarian. Throw it in the throw it in the sea. Throw it in the sea. Burn it. What the hell are this pair on about? Yeah, and the other tune it plays is like a weird, dirgy religious hymn. Hymna. Yeah. Ugh, hated hymns at school. Yeah. But the cabinet art, what do you think of that, Sean? Without saying that expletive, you wrote on art notes. I think the cabinet art is awesome. I love it. I think it's it's, it's proper colourful. It's got really well drawn, a really well drawn sort of square, square kind of octopus bad guy. Robot and, thingy. And there's artwork all over it, right down to the kick plate. I think it's really nice. One thing I like on it a lot, which you don't see on many arcade games, is on the screen, on the upright version, because there's an upright, a cabaret, and there is a cocktail version as well. On the upright one, the full-size one, it's shaped the same as a journey cab, so it's quite sloped back. But on the screen bezel, because the screen's quite low down, on the screen bezel is like a the, the tentacly monster robot thingy, which I think is l- the Lazarian. And mm. it continues up the artwork, goes up the back of the cabinet. So, so you've got the, back, the the monster at the back of the thing, and his tentacles actually go down onto the screen bezel. It's all painted together. I really oh, like nice. that. It's really good. And the cabaret game, which I played at Portland Retro Game and uh, Expo last year, I really like it. It's the same midway. I think they're called a mini mites. The cabarets, mini mite mm. shapes, the same shape as a Galaxian. Or a Ms. Pac-Man. I think the Gallagher's the same shape as well. And add these. The buttons on it are a thing of beauty. So you've got a, a joystick on the left hand side, which is the same as like a, um, a Bosconian joystick. It's got like a red textured knob on the joystick, and it's an eight-way yeah. joystick. But on the right hand side, you've got these buttons in, in a north, south, east, west shape, and they're red round buttons. But they've got a square yellow bezel around the button, so it looks like a sort of mm. diamond shape. And I really like the buttons. They're really nice. And, and the game plays much, much better on an actual cabinet because I've actually played it. I don't think anyone else would have had one or played it unless they've gone to a show, I suppose. It's quite a rare cabinet. And the actual arcade cab plays a lot better, which I'll get onto after the scores. Uh, trivia, the letter M is missing from the high score table. <laughs> oh, you can't even blame that on Italians not using an M because they obviously uh, do use the normal Roman alphabet. Oh, dear. Shall how we do how some did scores? that happen? How did they not have an M? I don't know. Oh, Lord. It's just typic- it's typical of this. It's a shame. I, I, I would think... You need a game that that stands up to the, how good that artwork is. Someone else, should, someone should remake this and make a really good game and just slot it in that cab. Call it Lazarian, get rid of the original, and just put it in so that artwork can uh, be justified. I have an opinion very similar to that, which we'll talk about in a minute as well. Ooh, so let's do some before on. we do the scores, I'm yes. gonna I'm gonna sit on the naughty bench next door to Brian Hambo, Haribo. 
and go with zero points because I didn't play it often enough to get a decent score. But when I played it at Portland Retro Game Expo, I got about 10,000 because I looped it, I think, twice. Mm. But we will talk about that game later on as well. So Brian Haribo's got zero, same as me. And he says, so many questions, like, where's the yellow zone? And why do you get randomly destroyed after rescuing the Mexican dude? No score. Nil point. Rob McCraft, 950. It's quite a low-scoring game as well, obviously. Uh, Sal Buglarissi, 1400. And he says, who found this hidden gem? I I think think he's being being ironic. Because Sal famously likes, how do I put it, crap games. But this, he doesn't well, like this. crap to everyone else, good to him. But he also likes kangaroo, so I'm with Sal. Mm. Exploding Pinball Man, 1480. Ross Ross, 1680. And he says, a game so poor that it doesn't even deserve an in-focus or correctly orientated screenshot. He <laughs> sent us a screenshot which was out of focus and in 90 degrees to what it should have been. One Punch Rob, 1700. I think he'd be giving me a one punch when he finds me for choosing this game. Zestora, 1860. GJ Harris, 2020. Effing rubbish. Who picked this game out? They need fisting from the Hulk. Two goes, it's that horrible. Now, this is another brat, another naughty brat, to go on the naughty step. I'll explain why later on. Shame on you, GJ Harris. Old Man Steve, 2170. Okay, so if Lazarian and Laser Battle don't work on my version of MAME, something to do with layers being missing. Me finding out I'm colourblind and the need to avoid invisible bullets. I had to use past skills playing broken spectrum games to get to the cave. Yeah, you unexpectedly blow up on one of the corners. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought it was because the bullets are so small when they're shooting you in in the circle. They're so small you don't see them and sometimes you think you've been killed for no reason. It's in the maze. It's when you're on the second level up in the maze, you sometimes just explode. Oh, that's uh, so bad. It is. J-Ping, 4685. Total garbage. Looks like an unfinished game. In 1981, there was Donkey Kong, Scramble, Miss Pac-Man, and many other great games. So no excuse to be this bad, even if it is an oldie. I can't face another attempt. Next, please. Uh, you, Sean, 6,435. And you loved it. We'll get on to that later. Here's Jimmy, 9,125. And he's just put the letters P-A-P. Pap. Pap. Which is, I think, Meaning. I think is a nice way of saying crap. Yeah. El Mipo, 9,825. Pilbo, 10,755. Getting reasonable scores now. Mr. Trollnads, 11.950. Given that I am three podcasts behind due to not commuting, I can only assume this choice was a result of a competition to knock Peter Pack right off the top spot of worst game ever choice. Well, it isn't, though, is it? Mm. Super Trio is the worst game because it actually crashes halfway through. Do you know, I had a look at that. You know, on Sidekick, you get ratings, don't you? Yes. People rate them. And Super Trio's got a higher rating than this. It's got a, <laughs> a, it's got a, a like a... 3.9 or something, and this is 3.3. Well, one of, one of our listeners, can't remember which one, actually got the world record on the main version of Super Trio, didn't they? So he probably put down 500 points out of 20. Yeah. Well, and that brings it back from minus points. Uh, Majok, 12,750. Mr. 20 to 5, 15, 750. We all like different things. It's a no from me. Unfair, unjust, unfinished. Points. <laughs> 
you put points scabbed. I don't know how he's points scabbed because it was better than playing it normally. Next game, please. Didn't even include the M on the high score. So he couldn't put Mr. 20 to 5. He has to put Mr. 20 to 5. <laughs> 15, 7, 50, never to return, he put. Matt Neo MK, 16,045. What strange, bizarre mix of minigames. Jason's Gem mixed with Phoenix. Not bad in small doses, but I doubt I'll be back. Not awful for 81, but just a bit weird. That's Sakaria for you. That's the best review we've got. Yeah. And in first place, Charlie Farr, who didn't even play it until yesterday, who just had two <laughs> goes, got 22,545. So well done, mate. You, you put up with it. And he says, had to have another game to see if it really was that bad. It was. Ports and sequels. None but a bag of half-eaten cold chips found in a bin in 1982 was was a better sequel than this. And then I did a bit of research and there is a there is a port on the Commodore 64 and it's a, it's a what do you call it? A, a cartridge. It's oh, a right. cartridge. So they made a cartridge of it. And it looks like fairly decent because the graphics do look like they're from a BBC Micro or something, don't they? The arcade ones. Well, actually, you said about ASCII graphics earlier. On a Commodore, on the PET, the VIC-20 and the Commodore 64 and Commodore 16 models, you'd have got a kind of, they call it, I think it's called PET-ski. PET-ski, And yeah. you have those little half triangles and squares that you can make shapes out of, and that's exactly what it looks like it's been made out of. And I think that's mm. what they did on the Commodore 60 version of Lazarian. But... The artwork for Lazarian on the Commodore 64, I think I might put a picture of that on the website, is awesome. I really like it. Yeah, it's, it's good as well, isn't it? And the there's a YouTube playthrough of the Commodore 64 version, and the guy loops it in 1 minute 12 seconds. And you know, <laughs> this is quite good, you know um, when you go on, on YouTube and you put in a game, there's always, there's always a long play. I think it's a certain group of people that do long plays. The long mm. play of this is 4 minutes and 6 seconds long. <laughs> Well, sometimes they're like four hours long and that, and this is four minutes and six seconds long. Brilliant. Summary, improvements, and conclusion. What do you reckon, Vic? Well, what it is, right, is it is an actual fact that we will review on this podcast (laughs) weird, stroke odd, stroke silly, stroke bizarre games, stroke bad games. We will review them. And the listeners, some of them, some of them, are acting like big old babies with full nappies when they don't like a game. And now, we will not be naming and shaming, so no names will be spoken of. But what time have you got there, Sean? Uh, 20 to 5. Uh, yeah, I thought it was later than that, actually. Any road. <laughs> he won't be going into that. He'll be in his box. Annoy! Right. Annoying. Get, get your boots on. Try to get into this, but the level design is absolutely terrible. It's like a badly programmed 8-bit computer game with zero playtesting. One of the worst games I have ever played in my entire life. <laughs> even worse, I always quote this one, even worse than Mastertronic's Bionic Granny on the Commodore 64. And then I'll leave you with this. If you go into MAME Info... You can have main info loaded up, can't you? Whatever front end you've got. I've, I've just got a basic thing. Lazarian or Laser Battle, a game so bad that even the main info file has no 
info on it no description or nothing it's just like you, you know the way they normally go into like what the levels are like and yeah. tips and tricks but there's nothing they no didn't even could... write no no the only redeeming feature is the cub art which is i think it's really really good well for one thing before i get into my my uh annoyer enjoy it was one of them games because you mentioned the cab art where they really were trying to drag in the kids to play it. Look at this massive robot on the side with his wobbly arms and his big one eye and all this sort of stuff and the lovely cab art. And yeah, that's about the best thing. Right. I chose this game for a reason, but also it annoys me. I have to explain this to the listeners and myself and you. And. <laughs> Anyone else who may listen. When I found the cabaret version of this game, Cabinet, at last year's PRGE, I really got into it because A, it was in my favourite style of Cabinet, and B, it was a weird game that I'd never seen before. And I was playing with the Island Pirate, our friend from Canada, and Whitney, my friend from the Broken Token podcast. Uh, both arcade friends of mine, and we had a blast on it. It was quite, a, I think it was just because it was so weird. It was a good game to play. And I got a feeling it might have been set easier because I got a lot further in the game. I found it a lot easier to play. And also, the proper arcade controls made it better. And when Mr. Island Pilot actually said to me, you do realise you can hold the button down for auto I went, oh yeah, and I got even further in it. Because the bit at the end, when you're shooting the eyeball and you've got to shoot through his ever-fixing you know, fixing belly, I was just pumping the button I wasn't getting it but if you hold it down you can do it really quickly and it takes like two mm. seconds so he sort of got me through that bit I think yeah I got a feeling I looped it twice so I probably got like 10,000 something like that and I did quite well on it I think but I got a feeling it just seemed easier than when I played it at home but I was playing it with I didn't have, I didn't actually get round to making a little box with four buttons on and I'm glad I didn't because I would have thrown it away by now yeah. so I played it on um, a Hori pad for my max it's like a bluetooth pad with a, a normal d-pad and the four buttons in, in the north south east directions west directions and i played it on that and i just i found it the, the control was very easy to crash into something i couldn't really i couldn't really carefully move around and accurately move where i wanted to be especially on the first level which is a bit of a pain in the backside so the thing is it is a mess of a game it's horrible and if I found the cabaret of this in the UK, I would definitely buy it. I would definitely, definitely buy it if it's a good price, obviously. I'd definitely buy it. But what I'd do, I'd leave all the guts in there, intact, original. Wouldn't get rid of it because it's quite a rare cabinet. But I would make a conversion loom for it and play another game in there. Maybe use one of the four fire buttons just as a you know one or two fire button game with a joystick. And I'd put another game in there, definitely. Mm. maybe Bosconian or something like that you know but yeah I really like the cab and I really like playing it at Portland Retro Gaming Expo uh, I think I played it with uh, Kay as well actually my, my friend Kay was with us and yeah I'm not sure this is the bizarre thing right I'm not sure how this game was brought bought up by Midway because Midway licensed this from Zakaria right and I don't. I got a feeling it didn't do very well in Italy or Europe. I never saw it in the UK. So no. why Midway bought it and and put their name on it and stuff and put it in a cabinet? Because other games released by Bally at this time were so much better. Even in 1981, right? Mm. 
even the weird, you know, like ones like Journey, which is the same year, which is a weird game, is a lot mm. better than this, miles better. So yeah. this is some of the games re- released in the same damn year. Yeah. I need my pinger for this, just a second. Bosconian. Gallagher. Gorf. Kick. Ms. Pac-Man. Omega Race. And Pac-Man, Space Zap, and Rally X, all by the same company, were a year or two before that. What's kick? Is that the thing with the seesaw, the breakout thing? No, no, it's the guy when you're a little unicycle and you've got to get the balloons on your hat and you can kick the balloons up. It's a dial right. game. No, actually, sorry, it's a, a two-way trackball game. Remember we saw it at the Galloping Ghost? Yeah. It's a fun little game. But they're yeah, way you know. better than this. Why did they why did they release this game amongst all those classics at the same year? Which I think I think Bosconian is is that Namco? I know Gallagher's Namco. Mm. But they were licensing yeah. good games from Japanese companies. And, you know, releasing stuff like Omega Race, really cool black and white vector game. And, you know, all the other games that come before it, way, way better. And then they released this. I'm not, I don't understand why. There must have been a massive flop, surely. Massive must flop. Must have been. Must have been, yeah. I think someone at Bally Midway got sacked for this. Yes, should have been. Mm. <laughs> so anyway, what has happened, let's put right? that behind us. I thought, I thought, and I did have a good time playing this game when I played it first, but I've totally changed my mind. It's very bad. Very bad. It's a kind of game I would have been happy as an eight-year-old kid on a VIC-20. I wouldn't. An actual actual PCB dedicated arcade game? No. Not even even as a sort of a gorf-like mini-game, you know, with other games? No. No, no, no. Bad. Very bad. Very strange level designs and level choices. It's just like a weird acid trip, isn't it? Yeah, it's like they didn't really. It's like they didn't play test it very much. They just went, oh, just chuck it out, put it in a cab, chuck it out. But the interesting thing is, I wonder what the Zakaria dedicated cabinet looks like, because I haven't seen one. I'm going to look for one, see if it actually got a, a proper release. I've seen the flyer. It's I think it's got their standard. There's like a kind of like a moonscape kind of standard side art. Oh, with it's their big, generic cabs with the trippy artwork. Yeah, the big kind of flying saucer kind of buildings. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Mm. Mm. All right, let's get on to the next game, and then we'll get the heck out of here. Next show's game. Right, my pick. I, f- I think we've got to come back with a strong one, a very play, a very. I know one. your, I know your game, Sean. You're making me look bad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> by choosing, by choosing, and I know already a top game over my flop game. That could be a new it, thing. Top game, flop game. Go on. Game or flop game, and I, oh, enjoy. Yeah, I'm going to pick because Gallagher's going around a bit at the minute. I'm going to pick Gallagher '88. And sh- and. Charlie Fall's not allowed. To... Yeah, he is. He is. Go yeah, of course you can on. play it. It's from Namco, obviously. The ROM is Gallagher 88, G A L A G A 88. Lives and difficulty are default. You can go into, you can put a dip switch on and go into it, and it gives you this screenshot that I've done. It's 
if you just leave it default, it's fine. Even though Orcade and Twin Galaxies have the standard settings harder than this, right. but we'll just we'll just leave it. Type C, three fighters, rank C. I think that's medium difficulty. The rank. Yeah. Ex- extend is A. I think that's extra life. Ex- extra life at fifty thousand. I think. So if you leave all that the same, yeah. Which is which is you don't even have to go into main, but you can check it. Yeah. And we've put a little picture of this on the website for another quick look. Uh, yeah. So. The credits is no different. Attract sound makes no difference. So it's C, three fires, rank C, continue off. That's important. Not allowed to continue. Mm-hmm. Extend A and select. Ooh, select on. Do you want select on so you can select the stages? No, it's you can select one or two ships at the start. Oh, okay. So we're gonna have we're gonna allow that, are we? Yeah, yeah. Because okay. if you okay. select two ships and die, you've only got one left, don't you? Instead Ooh, of two. Risk and reward. Oh, it's good. It's good. I've, I've had a little go this afternoon. Like it. Like it. I like this game a lot. I think it's absolutely brilliant. So, well, that's giving it away a bit, isn't it? The review. <laughs> anyway, everyone. Hopefully, well, this is a little bit of a, a, an apology <laughs> from the Ten Pence Arcade Podcast for making people pay Lazarian. Um, so, submit your score. You can email to the site, which is vertvic at tenpence.co.uk, or Twitter, hashtag 10PSCOIE, 10 score, or Facebook as a comment on the podcast post, or you can go on the Sidekick app, and I should, I think you should go on the Sidekick app. And the deadline for score submissions is Tuesday, 29th of September, 5pm UK time. And that's about it from us. One last thing I nearly forgot to say is my lovely wife, Tori, is still selling uh, lovely COVID masks uh, with lovely patterns on arcade consoles, loads of different patterns. If you look on the website, there's loads of information where you can get them from. Very reasonably priced as well. And she's still making them like a crazy mask maker. Yeah, I've got one. They're very good. Yeah, I've got lots and they're very good. And uh, that's about it from us. Hope you enjoy playing Gallagher 88 and can stop having dreams about Lazarian. Thank you, kids. I've, just before we go, Vic. Yes. I've thought of a joke, right? I've got this joke. Oh, God, were you what? thinking about it all that time? I was. This is going to be what? so bad. Go on. It's good, isn't it? What What Irish band do you get crammed inside a mister? The cause! Bye, Sean. You can download or play the podcast, read all the show notes and leave feedback at www.10pencearcade.co.uk You can email me at vertvic at 10 You can also reach us on our Facebook page. You can tweet me at 10 We'd love to hear from you for game suggestions, arcade pickups and stories or any of your personal thoughts on anything we may have covered.